Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman, and you are listening to part two of three parts of this podcast from April of 2012. Roy Weinberger, my guest in the studio, Jackie Byard is the topic, and they got together for one really beautiful night that, A, I'm so happy it happened, B, I'm so happy it got recorded and that we got our hands on it and could bring this program to you. And this, you know, I've done a lot of these. There's over 50 of these shows up at our, on our podcast, Deep Focus. And this one just stands apart from all of them, um, partly because Roy is so impassioned and well-spoken and his memory is so, so sharp for that night. He says at one point that this is a night that he would never forget. And obviously, that means something coming from him. And um, Jackie's fantastic. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking and let you listen. Here's part two. April 9th, 2012, Roy Weinberger on the topic of Jackie Byard. It's Deep Focus. <laughs> Thank you. 
We're in Binghamton, New York. Jackie Byard, and you're hearing him talking about that song that he just played, obviously, Send One Your Love. We are in Binghamton, New York. It's March 28th, 1981. We're in the social room in the student union at State University of New York at Binghamton. You've never heard this music before, unless you were in the room that night, like our guest tonight, Roy Weinberger. My name is Mitch Goldman. This is Deep Focus. And uh, that was... That was kind of a curveball. At that time, it doesn't seem like such a reach now, but you didn't usually... That that was a fairly recent hit song within the last prior three years. And uh, you didn't usually hear giant jazz musicians playing recent hit songs, did you, at that time? Uh, well, not one to contradict you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What do I know? Um... It, 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 it seemed like a departure. Well, if you remember, I mean... Until he played it. When the, he played it, it, it seemed to be of a piece with the Ellington and everything else that he was doing. It, it, I don't think it was... How to say this? I mean, there were, there were people all through 60s and 70s taking pop songs and doing jazz versions of them. And it continued on and on with rhythm and blues. I mean, I... I think about, you know, a, f a favorite uh, King Curtis at at, sure. at uh, Fillmore, Bernard Purdy, you know, right, 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 playing um, "Whole Lot of Love," uh -huh. you know. Um, so, and the the this, the concert opened with um, "Hello, Young Lovers," you well, know, that. quoting. So so quoting. Which was at one point a popular song, yes. and so yeah. it wasn't just nostalgia, but it was it was a popular um, a popular song of its day. So a lot of jazz artists, as I think of, were always big on quotes. I, I, was it uh, Johnny Griffin? I mean, doesn't didn't get through a solo in my in my memory without like quoting anything from you know Popeye to you know sure, sure, anything. Sure. Well, more, the thing I was going to say, though, that uh, I realized I didn't say, but um, Jackie Barr taking this familiar pop song and uncovering all kinds of musical depths that maybe were intended by the composer Stevie Wonder, maybe not, but Jackie's unpacking all kinds of great things out of that. I see, I see what you're saying. That, that, that of course, is very special. I, I, I agree with you there, because he, he wasn't taking a pop song or a rock song and making a jazz version of it. Right. He was he was taking a song and going so deeply into the chord structure and and experimenting and examining it and and then laying that totally crazy abstract <laughs> fantastic solo over it too, which was that was phenomenal. Went completely out of the rhythm of it and that was just yeah, I guess Jackie Byer. Yeah, that was that was um <laughs> That was the joy of Jackie, the uh, for me at least, you know that the, the surprise, the surprises came at will. You know, it was like you could be it was like being a little kid. Like every day was Christmas. It was like, <laughs> what's you know, what's in the stocking? You know, wait, wait, I got a present today. Wait, what? What day is today? This is unbelievable. We're still in the first set. Yeah. We're still in the first set of this Jackie Byard show of two. We've got, we are, we have. Here's the thing. Roy and I have some other stuff for you. We've got some prizes. We've got a, a, a true prize. Another thing that's practically unknown to the world, this Papa Joe Jones recording, which I can see right now, we're not going to play it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. It was actually a television show, 1975. And you know, I don't even think that you know this. Also, there's all kinds of other stuff. Sonny Terry's on that, and, and Bob Dylan's on that. No, I didn't. the time that uh, Blood on the Tracks came out, and he's playing songs from that. And it's like, and Papa Joe Jones with all these great musicians of his era and George Benson. It's a monster piece of music. 
we're not going to play it for you because we're so deep in this Jackie Bard in the first set. And we've already taken the world tour of the last hundred years of music with Jackie. <laughs> and there's at least as much more to come. My apologies for all Papa Joe Jones fans, <laughs> of which I am one, that we may not reach that that other music. Because tonight. Of, yeah, tonight. We may not get there tonight. Okay. Because I hate to deprive people of that that pretty incredible. I did get to hear part of that recording uh, from you, and uh, it was a lot of fun with with young George Benson just blown away, and just yeah. and um, Red Norvo and Benny, Benny Morton and um, Milt Hinton on bass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it was just great. Yeah. Too bad you're not going to get to hear it because man, it's fantastic, and you've never heard it. It's we all, will get to it. It's all we Mitch's fault. We'll just keep it tuned, keep it locked, 89.9, some Monday in the future. We will get to Papa Joe. But right now, we're in Binghamton, New York, and we're with Jackie Byard at the piano, Ed Schuller on the bass, and Roy Weinberger, our guest tonight, playing the drums. What, what a treat that this remarkable event that this has come together, that we can do this tonight, because uh, neither Roy nor I knew that this show had even, that this recording existed. And uh, poof, it's it's fallen out of the sky. So um, we just heard the Stevie Wonder piece, Send One Your Love, and uh, we're heading into another part of the show. Anything you would care to share? Any memories or thoughts about that? I'm not sure what's, what's <laughs> what coming. I, I, I know there is a, a set list printed out that that was published with this, and it's intimating that there's a drum solo coming, and I... I'm a little nervous about what's, <laughs> what's approaching. Okay. All right. So we'll That's find fair. out. <laughs> All right. You are listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. We're in a deep focus tonight on Jackie Byard with our guest drummer and particularly, specifically drummer on this piece of music, Roy Weinberger on WKCR.
That, that wasn't me putting the stop button. That was just the way it rolls out. That's the end of the first set. <laughs> That's the end of the first set. Leave them wanting more, Jackie. Man, went out on a high note. Jackie Byard in Binghamton, New York, 1981, with our guest Roy Weinberger playing the drums. You uh, quitted yourself admirably. Well... <laughs> I owe him a half time. <laughs> Cut it in half. Cut it in half. I'm, I was just dazed by that point. The um, they they said they had to turn that the cassette over, so we missed part of in yeah. the drum solo. Yeah, there's but a little missing missing part there. But it it uh, it you know I heard that speech about you know I guess I heard that. And we're going to play it the fastest we can, or we're going to yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I don't remember exactly what form of panic must have come through my mind, but knowing that Jackie could play quarter note 400 any, any day of the week and just, just feeling, oh, my goodness, okay, and just trying to jump in there. And um, I just, we just, 
missed, just missed what he wanted for those few seconds. I felt really bad about it. It didn't seem to slow him down any. He he went. He was kind of opened the door for you, and then maybe realized that he wasn't quite uh, communicating exactly what he wanted. Because you said you guys. It's not like you rehearsed all this stuff, or he told you what these cues mean, or anything. No, we, it, there was no. And when none. it was apparent that there was a little disconnect between what he was saying, <laughs> he took and the what steering wheel. He, yeah, he grabbed the steering wheel. Steering wheel. It's, okay. You know, it's like okay, you know. <laughs> it's okay, you know, you'll, you'll get it. But right now, I think I'll, I think <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, end, I'll end the plane, or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. metaphor. Yeah, it, I guess you know it had to be if there would have been. Another gig that next night, I would have been all ready for him. <laughs> so yes. That was, that was a, little bit, a little bit trial by fire. So you guys left the bandstand, and uh, you went to go drink some wine and smoke some LSD, as I understand <laughs> did it. Did not, did not. <laughs> He's, he was funny, dude. I, Do you remember uh, anything from between the sets, from the, the intermission? You guys were backstage. You know, I, he, was, he was supportive. He was... He was Still talking to me. I was. <laughs> we just come off of that that one miscue in particular, and I was feeling hugely apologetic. And he was very. Oh no, that sounds great. <laughs> he was very very nice, and um, and I, that's I really have no, you know, I was I was adrenalized beyond, you know, I was off the charts. I couldn't I couldn't. Guess what we, you know, I don't remember how long the break was. It was like, it sound okay? What, what can we do? You know, it's getting, hearing things coming back from the audience, maybe coming through people telling us or suggesting things or asking things or, and uh, overall that the between was, between sets was not much, much of a memory for me. Um, I have some from when we met just in the afternoon, just a few hours before the show uh, for the first time, and that was great. And then I have <laughs> memories from the show that will be with me forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, between sets, <laughs> you were you're, 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 you were decompressing, maybe. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was floating around and just mm -hmm. trying to see. Okay, we got out of that, got through that pretty decently, <laughs> and. That was really amazing, and there's another set to go. And, and I really understood that I had no idea what, what Jackie was going to do. And it was so, uh, so tantalizing and um, overpowering at the same point. as like, okay, this dude is really so over my head. I am so out of my league. <laughs> you know, I, he's like, you know, even greater because on most of the other albums I'd ever heard him on, it was usually one direction at a time. And right, right. <laughs> this was anything possible. I'm trying to think of who else might be um, capable of that kind of, that degree of spontaneity on the bandstand. It's a short list. I mean, we celebrate the improvisational abilities of these musicians and of their, their spontaneity, but as far as what the format of the next bar of the song goes, there's not too many people that take it as far afield as quickly and frequently as he does. In, in terms of, yeah, in, in terms of, oh gosh, what, yeah, like what decade is the next bar yeah. going to bring? Rasan Roland Kirk comes to mind of doing that. And he can go into New Orleans and into, uh, you know, different bags at times. And actually covering Stevie Wonder songs as a matter of fact and right. various other connections but uh, yeah it's a, it's a very few who, who have his ability to do that and even fewer who have the uh, capacity to think on their feet in that way I think a, a great like a Herbie Hancock is, is one who at, at a whim can go any direction um, and I, I saw it um, a guitar master class with Jim Hall some years ago yeah. where he said he was working, I think, on an opera, if I remember correctly, and he hadn't really played much guitar for the past year. And, oh. he, and he did, um, maybe, maybe it was All the Things You Are. He did, he did something that he had probably played a thousand times in his 50-year mm -hmm. career as, as, a, as a wonderful name guitarist. And you could tell he was he was deep in it. He was 
he had no idea. You could see he had no idea where the next bar was was going. He was so entranced in in this song, and so enjoying his own creativity and and surprised by what was coming out that you know he was creating the most sticky wickets with his <laughs> his fingering that I'd ever seen such contorted because he thought well this because he explained how well this this G sounds different than that G even though it's the same note as a different harmonic mm. series and therefore he you know, he wanted that and mm-hmm. and so there was none of this like convenient or you know I, this is my this is my lick or this is the pattern I use and everything everything he was choosing was was of the moment and as as surprising to him as it was as it was to the audience and it was just fantastic to see and just listen to and and watch him delight in in the moment also now this is why i tell you the only way to hear this music you got to you got to get out of the car. <laughs> I know it's fun sitting in the car. It's your car. You know where all your stuff is. You know how to get to your house and to all the cool places in the neighborhood. But you gotta, you gotta get out of the house. You gotta get out of the car. You gotta go where the music is, and you gotta be there with the music, and you gotta breathe with the musicians. You gotta give them something, and they're gonna give you back, and you're gonna give yourself back ten times as much. You gotta, gotta, gotta get out in the world and do it. The thing that's, I think, forgotten is so much of particularly jazz music, but other other musics too, were were created in a moment and recorded. When you listen back to it, you can figure it out, you can understand it, you can feel it, you can enjoy it, you can love it. But how special it is to be in the place Mm -hmm. while it's being created Mm -hmm. and, and recognize that in a split second these these gentlemen women are listening intently are reacting and then it's gone and even if so if it's recorded you've re, you've captured it and you can hear it back 50 times 100 times but you shouldn't lose sight of the fact that it was created in the second and in the moment mm-hmm. and and so when you study this music it, it's wonderful to Put yourself into the into the ears of of any of the members of an ensemble and understand and try to understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, because it's it's great to be able to like play an, an Art Blakey solo or he played this on this tune and have everybody recreate something that somebody did. But the most important part of that is why did they do that? Yeah. In that second, there was a reason that that bass player went that direction, the keyboard player's comping in that particular way, and everybody's reacting. So you, you have to understand that it happened in a second, and everybody's going, oh! So I'm- you could play those same notes that same way, but you will not be doing what those musicians were doing, in other words. if Right, unless you understand that that was an instant in time and in, in that environment. So it, it's it's like... If you take a a photo of you know of those guys playing in the studio, but you take a, a sharp razor and cut out one of those characters, and then try to take another picture of that exact same person and stick it in that it doesn't fit, because mm-hmm. that was an exact moment in time, and that was you know it's gone that quickly. So to understand what they did is great. To copy it is is part of studies, but to understand as best you can. Why they did it is to then under, is then to get something out of the out of the lesson of listening to the music, and th- and that's why watching music live is so important because you can you're feeling you really understand it's a lot easier for people to understand this is happening this second yeah. they didn't rehearse this tune and say we're going to play this exactly I'm going to play the, I'm going to comp these chords here we're going to do this here the bass player's going to do that the drummer's going to do that and I'm going to play this exact solo and then the next five nights that they're they're doing a stand at, at right. Birdland or something they're going to do that song that way right and well I have the sense just listening to what you've been saying about this night in question we're talking about Roy Weinberger's our guest who's on this phenomenal recording we've got we've unearthed of the great Jackie Byard that's never been released. No other radio station has it, just about, I can say. And uh, the th- one thing you keep saying, I don't know if uh, 
you'll tell me if I'm on the right track. The great effort, the great thing that needs to be done is not, I got to make sure I'm playing in time. I got to make sure I'm, the, the great effort seems to be being present, being conscious, being able to in, wrap your mind around everything that's happening in the room in this moment. It almost seems external to music in a sense. Well, to me, and I think many people in, in music, uh, anything having to do with, imp- with an ensemble playing has to do with conversation. Conversation has to do with a give and a take, listening, so what you say makes sense. If your mind is wandering and you come back in talking about the weather when when Jackie was talking about doing his taxes or something, then you're you're off topic, you know? (laughs) Come on, gotta pay attention, gotta know what's going what you know, what's the what's the subject matter here. So in any conversation, listening is is the art. And you know, really great listeners, I think you know, you're to me you're a great conversationalist. And you, you deal with people really well. I've always always admired that. And part of that is, you know, it's like the great salesman that always has the, the joke on the right subject and always can read his people so well that he always knows what subject is what's close to their heart, whether it be their kids, their sports, their, you know, their car. So this is about me telling dirty jokes? It's, That's what this is. I wasn't going to say <laughs> No. Let me ask you this. Yes. Compare for us the skills you use listening when you're playing to the skills you use listening when you're in the audience? I try to use the same because I I want to understand, I want to hear what they're hearing. So that means being in, trying to be in the same position of performing. And in in that case, I, I have an extra pair of ears to get into because I also have to get into the drummer's ears. I want to understand I don't want to watch what he's playing. I want to hear what he's playing and understand what he's playing in the context of of the entire ensemble. To just listen to the drummer or just listen to the soloist is is very two-dimensional and and for me not as rewarding. I mean, yeah, I get blown away by a great solo. But part of what makes it a great solo is also the setting um, because if that solo is not syncing up with mm-hmm. the rest of the ensemble, then mm-hmm. that to me is part of my, my definition is not a great solo. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the communication that that soloist is listening to the rest of the ensemble. The ensemble is listening to the soloist. I, you know, my favorite, I love, I still love a George Coleman at a trio at some point, you know, we did sax, bass, and drums. Yeah. You know, and, you know, at, at some point in my life, I had it, I did sax, bass, drums also. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and to me, that was a, that was a triangle. Almost the yeah. eternal triangle, but yeah. so um, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. and there everybody leaned on each other, mm. and and your responsibilities grew once you, you re- removed the, the chordal instrument. Instead of playing straight ahead, um, I think Sonny, Sonny Rollins had some where where to me the bass and drums played almost like it was a quartet, and I missed the piano player, I missed the comping. <laughs> but with with George Coleman, he's all of a sudden everybody just pulled in like yeah. a, like a triangle and just yeah. leaned on each other like you know like a huddle you know for rugby or something you know it, it, it's the most stable geometric form I didn't I didn't know that ask uh, ask a civil engineer they'll tell you I'll, next time I <laughs> happen to run into one I'll try okay. to remember to ask maybe I'll google that when I get home tonight <laughs> and and so so that 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 type of hearing, listening, communicating, sharing on a bandstand is everything. Yeah. And, and when I'm in the audience, I, tr- I just try to do the same thing. I want to know, I want to listen to what they're listening to. And, and that to me is, otherwise I'm just listening again two-dimensionally. And it's like going to a sporting event or a concert and just looking at the big screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm not a musician, but I it always strikes me that listening actively is full participation in, you know, it's, it's a maybe as much as playing is, maybe not, I don't know, but it's a, uh, it's, it's a complete immersion if you really do it actively and do it well. There's skills involved in listening just as there's skills involved in playing music, to my mind. Yes. Sometimes you're better at it than others. Yeah, but I, I like, I mean, New York audiences are, are, are tip-top audiences. I mean, they're, they're like the, the classic New York 
you know, like baseball fans where they're involved and, and you, you finish a rip in solo in, in New York and, you know, they'll step all over the, the first four bars <laughs> coming after that because they just, they just want to let you know it. It's, it's, it's not that sit on your hands polite. No, no. Concert, you know, and then at the at the end of the song, there's there's the. But you gotta make them give it up too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. The, they don't just give it away. Right, like I say, I mean, you <laughs> you, you you pay the price for your tickets. You you it's everything's high end in New York, high expectations, high demands, and you know, so it's that's the pace here, and it's wonderful because. And and Roy, you have made music, all over the world, not just not just here. You you've you've been out on the road a bit. In your day. Been around. <laughs> around been, the block a couple been times. A couple times. Well, one of those occasions <laughs> was March 28th, 1981 in Binghamton, New York. I'm not that old. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was even born when this concert happened. <laughs> That's right. And yet. Somehow. Jackie Byard playing piano, Ed Schuller on the bass. And, you know, we haven't talked about Ed Schuller very much, but he's, he's tremendous what he's doing here. I think he's... he's um, got uh, a phenomenal technique and he's um, just so tremendously supportive of what Jackie's doing and and they're obviously seem to be musical intimates they were playing together quite a bit at the time and um, yeah the communication is is just wonderful um, and for, for the third time I'll say that's you know <laughs> he was really in that sense a musical go-between for me because yeah. If I didn't hear the piano so well, or if Jackie was was off on alto and heading off stage or something, or out of the room, you know, he was he was nice to lean on, and and I I did. Yes, yes. Uh, so we finished the first set. We're kicking off the second set. And uh, anything you want to say to? Uh, should we dive in? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. All right, we're in Binghamton. Jackie Byard playing piano, our guest Roy Weinberger on the drums and Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is WKCR FM, New York.
It's an episode of Deep Focus, this one from April 9th, 2012. Roy Weinberger, fantastic drummer in the studio with me for this Deep Focus. I hope this is a reminder to you of how great it is when you get to go out and listen to live music. And the opportunity is coming. I'm going to remind you, I've been asked many times to pass this along to you from musicians and club owners, presenters. Make sure you got that vaccination. They really want to take care of you, protect you, and make sure that uh, you're not going to go home with anything that you didn't plan on. So, yes, make sure you have that vaccine before you go out socially. So, okay, that was part two of three. There's one more part. It's uh, 2012, April the 9th. Roy Weinberger. I'm Jackie Byrd. I'm Mitch Goldman. It's Deep Focus. (laughs) 